You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I wonder tonight, I wonder when, and I know I'm speaking to the choir, I'm, I'm not mean this choir, you're the best, you're God's people, you, you're here on a Sunday night. But I wonder when you or will, when I will deal with that, that item, that thing, that issue that's holding us back in life. What is it? Now, I mentioned that perhaps right now the Holy Spirit of God is, is, is pressing upon your mind. This is, this is holding me back and, until I get this dealt with. My past or my present, things I'm involved with, my life are careless with right now, until I deal with it, there'll not be really the victory that God wants in my life. I read the account recently of Canon Aiken, and he was a great preacher in Bristol, uh, England, many, many years ago. And he went and he spoke at a large convention, and he said, my message tonight is you must be born again. In that meeting was Horatio, uh, and Horatio was, uh, bottomly was his name, and Horatio was there, and, and, and he preached on, uh, on this simple subject, you must be born again. Night, night, great, great conviction came over Horatio's life. He knew he needed to be saved. But he uttered out loud in, uh, where he's seated, not now. In England, Horatio became very famous. Then years to follow, over the next about 35 years or so, he became uh, very successful. He became very wealthy. Uh, he was responsible for uh, putting many people in prisons and jails that were con artists and people that took advantage of others. He was the one that was so well known. But now the wheels all changed. They knew him as a national hero. But now he was the one sentenced to seven years at age 63 to prison. Because he knew what he should tell others, but he didn't take care of himself. You know, he knew he had to get right. It's an unbelievable story, but in that prison came a preacher. It'd be like our Jerry Whitlow that's in revival in the prisons in uh, Utah this weekend, and I don't know how many this afternoon, but they're up to 30 saved in the last two days in prison there. And I do know that while he was in prison, a preacher came, and yes, it was the same one. Uh, preacher Aiken came. And Preacher Aiken stood to preach that night, and believe it or not, the message was the same he heard many years ago as a young man. Ye must be born again. That night, uh, he knew that he had rejected Christ all those years. And he came to the preacher afterwards and said, I heard you preach that message. I became very successful and well-known, but I rejected it then. And he said, well, how about tonight would you get saved? And they said, I want to get saved. I know I need to get saved, but not now. 
not now. And that's exactly the story that's taking place in, in this book of Haggai chapter one. There'd been 14 years now and it was time Nehemiah had done his work about the wall and Ezra had done his wall work about the foundation, but now the superstructure has to go up. The building, the temple has to go up. And Haggai comes 14 years later to try to encourage them, let's get this thing done. You're living in beautiful sealed houses. That's wall paneled houses. They lived in opulence, really. I mean, it's amazing. And, and yet, the house of the Lord lay waste. And he said, it's time. In fact, notice what he says in verse number, verse number uh, two. Uh, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, the people say the time is not come. God said it is time. But they said it's not time that, that the house, Lord's house should be built. We're going to do it, but not now. We'll do it later. We all know everyone else's vices. Uh, you know, say it's smoking. Well, you know, say tonight, let's get, you know, I'm not really worried about smoking and drinking, though that's a concern. Uh, my concern is God's people that are allowing the word of God to drift in their life. You have not established a walk with God. And I, I must say, I, I know I have a walk with God. But you know, some days are not as good as the others. That's not God's false mind. Some days my mind wanders. And some days I, I pray every day. I read my Bible. I have a, a large amount of Bible I try to read before, before I start my business day. I'm not going to read my Bible time and prayer time on company time. Now, I'll pray for you. That's my job, Acts 6-4, to pray for God's people and to study the Word of God. That's what you hired me to do. We will give ourselves continually to the Word of God in prayer. I have to pray. I must pray for the backslidden on my list. I must pray for the wayward. I must pray for these uh, widows in our church. I must pray for the deacons. I must pray for the, the business people in our church. I must pray for the Bible college students out of our church, 54 of them. I must pray for these missionaries. I must pray for the, the young people in our school, the seniors that are in our school as they're going to graduate. I must pray. I must pray for the staff, the school, the church, the college, the publications, the support staff. I must pray for them. I must pray for the faculties that teaching the Word of God in the college and the faculty that teach in the schools over there. I must pray. I must pray for the hurting in our church and the separated, the divorced. And I need to pray for those that are incarcerated. And I pray for the military. Yes, they're all important. Sometimes if we're not careful, we say, you know, I, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to have a walk with God. And quite frankly, God bless you. I'm not trying to be harsh to you. I don't know how you working mothers do it. And I'm not suggesting you're wrong for work. I'm not, that, I'm not going down that. I don't know how you care for a marriage and care for a home and care for a family and work a job. I know that you are at the point of 24 hours a day exhaustion. And you men the same. And how did you find time to play with your kids and and spend time with your family and nurse the situation with your marriage. It's just overwhelming all that you have in life. I called my dad. I was in college. He liked me to call about every other week. And I'd put the money in the pay phone and 
and they, I'd say, collect the gubby, Mr. Traber there, and they'd answer it. He said, you owe your mother a letter every week, and I wrote every week. And he said, about every other week, every third week, you can call home for a short visit on the phone. And I remember calling my dad, and I thought he'd be impressed. I said, Dad, I am so busy. I'm working two jobs right now. I was working at a parts house, and I was working in maintenance, mopping floors and scrubbing floors at night. And I said, Dad, I'm so busy. I'm taking a heavy load in college, and I'm doing my work, and I'm trying to stay up on it, and I'm going to church on the weekends and serving the Lord. I said, Dad, I remember we're opening a church in Wisconsin. We had four people in the church last Sunday, three of us on the platform, seven all together. I said, Dad, and I thought he'd be impressed. I'm so busy that I really don't even have time for my personal devotions like I'd like to have. I'll never forget what our dad said to me. Jack, if you're too busy to meet God, you're too busy. That's your priority, son. My sister Judy wrote in the front of my Bible when I went to college, and you've heard it so many times. I met God in the morning when his day was at its best, and I can quote it all, I don't think for the sake of time I will. But I remember that poem so very vividly that I met God in the morning when the day was at its best. His presence came like sunrise, like a glory in my breast. I know you're busy, but you're going to have to walk with God. Well, we will, but after the kids are graduated, after the kids are a little bit older, when I have some more time, and you probably will have more time, but it's going to be too late. Your children need your prayers now. Your marriage needs your prayers now. Your Christian service needs your prayers now. America needs your prayers right now. This world needs our prayers. Missionaries need your prayers now. God needs you to spend time with him and choir saying, he still speaks. He has to speak to you. And tonight I want you to see, tonight I'm, I'm speaking not now. Not now. These, these Jews faced a situation. They, they, were, they, 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 were, they, they were commissioned to, to take this, un, this uncompleted task and get it done. And they said, we just don't have time to do it. I know God's speaking to us in these balconies, the lower floors. I know God's speaking to us. What's God saying to you? How is God speaking to your heart? How is God speaking to my heart? Do you see the mandate here? The mandate is found in the scripture, verse 1. The Bible says, came the word of the Lord. Notice verse 3. Then came the word of the Lord. Verse 2, thus speaketh the Lord. This is not a Baptist issue. This is a God issue. God is speaking the mandate. It's not, it's not the church's idea. It's God's idea. In chapter 2, verse 1, the word of the Lord that came. In chapter 2, in verse number 10, came the word of the Lord. God's word in verse 20, it says the word of the Lord. I just finished in my own personal Bible reading study time, the book of Jeremiah and the book of Ezekiel. Now I've underlined it all in orange with an underlined 
underneath that in red, 68 times in the book of Ezekiel, Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel said, the, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, it was God's word, 97 times in the book of Jeremiah. It said, then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah saying, if God could speak back then, choir, thank you for singing. God can still speak today in 2020. What's God's word? What is God saying to you? Missions conference is coming. It's stewardship missions. I hope God deals with all of us about our stewardship. I hope God will speak to us maybe perhaps where we're wasting money or where we can get more money or what we can do to the work of God. I hope that God will speak to children. Wouldn't it be great if some elementary kid said, I believe God would like me to be a missionary. Oh, say, Brother Treber, not these days. Missionaries are not wanted, but missionaries may not be wanted, but missionaries are needed. Judson went where they were not wanted. And William Carey went where they were not wanted. The great missionaries, Mueller, went where they were not wanted, but they were needed. We need people on these fields. You know, I think of these fields that are being closed down in so many areas. People that live in bondage like that are looking for something. They're looking for salvation. Whether this is true or not, I have no way of knowing. I've been told that there are 25,000 people a day turning to Christ in China. Where it's against the law. People are looking for God. It's an amazing thing, and I don't know how we break through and I'm not even go there on the internet, but it's an amazing thing how the gospel's getting out of this church from this church. It's amazing that God is getting it to this country, this country, and this country where it cannot be heard, but it is being heard. Tonight, I want to say, I want to say the word of the Lord came. This was not Haggai's idea. This was not the board's idea. This was not the deacon's idea. This was God's idea. I think about you teenagers saying yes to God, whatever it is. I think about you college students saying, I'll, I'll just do whatever. I don't know what he wants me to do. But I love that song, 120. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Or mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord, what he wants me to say. Forget about what your peers want. Forget about what the church gurus want you to say. Get the voice of God. Thus came, the word of God came. God's going to speak to you. You college students that are here, uh, you say, I'm graduating. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You're looking at that guy that was that guy. I had no idea. I didn't think I could ever preach. But you know what I found out in college? Just keep saying yes. Every opportunity, yes. Jack, come in the office. We want you to go to Platteville, Wisconsin and open up this church. It's been there, and we started with four people. Do you know that church today, Brother Dave Barna, pastors, it's on Golf Avenue. They moved it from that little building and they moved it on the edge of the golf course on Golf Avenue. 
Brother Barnum, Wisconsin, undoubtedly is watching right now. He's our dear, dear friend and his precious wife. And they built a beautiful, beautiful building. And they filled that building. And so many people are coming into that building. And great things are happening. But you know what? A boy, I, I had that first cue card from 52 years ago. I saw it, found it during cue card, and I was leading Wonderful Grace of Jesus. That's not the right song with four people in the auditorium. But we sang it anyway. And blessed assurance that we sang this morning. You talk about big, big numbers. You shouldn't have sung those. But you know, because a scared young boy who had no talent said yes, there's a church there. Jack, coming in the office, we want to send you to Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. It's a larger church to work with Dr. Anderson. They have a, they have a choir there. You need to lead it. I, was, I, I went there on Sunday afternoon. Sunday night, they said the choir is ready to sing out of the ivory palaces. Wow, that's a hard song to lead. But I'm glad I said yes. I wasn't good. I wasn't a good music director. I certainly wasn't a good singer. I barely could read notes. I couldn't get all the harmony down. Jack, we want you to go this summer and travel for the church and the school. And you know what? I just learned to say yes. Found out I wasn't paid that summer. It didn't bother me. I'm a little bitter now, years later. But I mean, I didn't get paid. It was the greatest thing in my life to be able to go out and sing and see things happen every day and every night in services. Hey, Jack, we want you to go to Rockford, Illinois. I've got the letter in my file under my father-in-law's name, excuse me, under my wife's name. The dad, her dad wrote me the letter. We'd like you to come and candidate for being our music director. You know what I got there? First person I met was my, now my brother-in-law for all these years, Dwayne. In the back of the auditorium, when I saw that attendance, I thought, Lord, what have I done? Record attendance, I think it was 4, 449 or I said, how in the world? The pastor said, Jack, we want you to do the janitorial work and we want you to do the choir and music. And I wasn't good like Gary Bohm that went before me. But I said, yes. Jack, I want you to take the second grade boys Sunday school class. I think to my knowledge, there's still two boys in that class 50 years later that are still in that, not, not that class, but in that church. <laughs> They're in second grade. I really helped them a lot. You know, I, I, I must not have been a good Sunday school teacher. I painted my room. I painted my, my, my table. I painted the chairs, the benches. I cleaned it all up. I prepared lessons. They probably were terrible. You know, young men in this college and the high school just keep saying yes. Just keep saying yes to God. I'm so grateful that God let me work with the man who became my father-in-law. I'm saying today, whatever God offers you, if he offers you opportunities to go soul winning with someone, say yes. If the offers that someone says, I wonder if you could pray with me after service or before service, and two or three of you ladies get together and say, a man, get together. Let's just start prayer meeting. I think if some of you might just kneel at the front of the auditorium, uh, five or ten or five, not to be seen, I'm not saying, but just kneel and use the altar before the service choir is coming in and just pray. Just pray that God would be here and say, yes, 
God speaks to your heart about that bitterness. Say, yes, God, I'll get rid of it. I'll deal with it. Obey every command of God. Obey every spiritual impulse that the Spirit of God places on your heart. When will we deal with our sin and when will we deal with our pride and our arrogance? It's time to build the house of God. People say, it's not time. We got another agenda. There's a mandate here. There's a message, verse five. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. All I'm asking tonight, would you consider, are we neglecting God? Are we going to bed at night with unresolved sin and unresolved difficulties in our life? Are we going to bed angry and upset and bitter toward people on the journey of life? I, I don't know how you're handling this thing, COVID. I don't like to bring it up, but I think I will tonight. I can't believe, not some, but I can't believe the number of grandparents that are not welcoming their children's home to see their grandkids. For going on two years. I can't believe that you would shut people out of there. I, I can't believe we cannot go into rest homes. These people are still locked down in your room, in their rooms. Your, your mother's locked down in that room. I can't go see her. I had a father-in-law that lived about a, about a year, nearly almost a year in, in a nursing facility and he had no, he had six boys and two girls. Nobody could go see him. And he was hard of hearing now and he couldn't work the TV remote, couldn't work a phone, try to get a hold of him. You can't get a hold of him. Call the office, can't get a hold of him, put you on hold. And I think it was the last day of his life, he let a, they allowed a daughter-in-law in for 30 minutes and another daughter-in-law and a son for about 30 minutes. Uh, goodbye, you're going to heaven. Preached the gospel in that city for 57 years and he died alone in a room. When elderly people need us the most, it seems like we're shut out. I don't understand all that. I see there's a message here, consider our ways. Why, why would you, even if you have parents in another state, another country, why would you not want to even call them? I don't understand that stuff, folks. My wife's mother died at age 45. Mrs. Strove, her mother died age 45, October the 4th, 1970. She's been laid to rest many more years than she was alive. You ask those two girls and they're represented like most of you in this room, what, would it be wonderful just to have a phone conversation with your mother? You people that have parents alive, you stay, you stay connected with those parents. When, when those parents become needy, Doctor's appointments, hairdresser appointments, nail appointments, uh, vision appointments, whatever it is, uh, you step to the plate. I tell our class, be patient with your parents. I'm older than your parents. But we as parents will be dead and gone pretty soon. 
and we'll just leave you in the will. Whether it's life insurance, we'll be okay to you. And of course, my, our kids, they don't, they don't treat us like that. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I know some folks in this very room, you're treated that way. You're listening on the internet by the thousands of people tonight. What are you doing mistreating your parents? What are you doing neglecting your parents? What are you doing yelling at your parents and talking back to your parents and being cruel to your parents? What are you thinking? Here, they had another agenda. We're just, we're just too busy uh, to do the things you want us to do. We don't, we don't want to consider our way. There's a mandate. There's a message. Did you notice? There's a mockery. Verse 2, the people say, the time has not come. It's not time. Well, God said it was time, so say yes to God. When God's been speaking about, I'm not saying you can't be on social media, but, but, but why are you spending so much time on social media? Does it inflate our ego and our pride? I posted something. <laughs> I don't know how I get so many followers. I had three people who liked it. <laughs> well, you're really famous, aren't you? I can top that. I posted something. I had 47 people who didn't like it. But nonetheless, uh, <laughs> hey, w- what is that all about? Maybe, maybe this week we could say, okay, I don't know, it just pops up. My phone tells me how much time I've been on the phone that week. Maybe you can find out how much time a day you're on the phone. Maybe we can match that in door-to-door soul winning. Maybe we can match that in prayer. And I know for your business, you need to be, I know that. We are, everybody around here has to be on the, uh, not social media. I think there's a different social media in, in there. There it is, thank you. Let me close her down. I see there's some misery here. Verse 11. God said, I called for a drought upon the land. The mountains, the corn, the new wine, the oil, the cattle. You know, when you say no, and I say no, and no, and no, and no, and no to God. Uh, It's not time. No, it's not time. When we say no to God, God will always get our attention. That's what God's doing in California right now. Do you know that there are, and I don't, I've never seen one picture of the fires. I talked to a couple of preachers that up in the fire area. There's still six fires going. Up in Northern California, it started to rain one day last Saturday when I was talking to a preacher. And I said, will that help put it out? I said, oh, no. They're predicting that one or more of the fires will not be put out till December. Uh, remember a few years ago when our governor at that time, whoever it was, maybe this one or someone else, uh, declared that we were uh, going to accept sodomy, and there were 997 fires that began. No, not from people lighting them, from lightning. And the last time I checked, other than the global warmers, God sends the lightning. God says, you want that mess? 
fire in the Bible is always a purging. Fire is a judgment. There is a place called hell that's a place of judgment. And God's going to get our attention. Oh, I'm going to move out of here. Oh, where do you want to go? A hurricane or an earthquake? God's dealing with this nation, ladies and gentlemen. You know, a drought in the Bible is always the judgment hand of God. Our governor came out several months ago and said, we're officially now under a drought. When God sends fire, when God sends drought, maybe it's because we're saying it's not time. When people get godless leaders, it's because they got all wrapped up in their own agenda and forgot about God's agenda. And God says, I'm going to send you a Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to send you a Belshazzar. I'm going to send you a Herod who was eaten up eventually with worms. I'm going to get you what you, you want. And the king's heart is still in the hand of the Lord. Nothing surprises God. God's dealing with California. I said, well, 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 we don't really have time for you, God. I wonder in this state how many, how many churches are open tonight? Oh, I know churches like this are open. I wonder how many Baptist churches are open that were maybe open this morning for a little online something or a little service. I wonder how many churches are open in California tonight. I wonder how many Presbyterian churches are open tonight, our Lutheran churches, our Methodist churches, our congregational churches, our Baptist churches are even open tonight. We build these great facilities and then we close them for all but 45 minutes on a Sunday morning. I would think that we'd have to recognize that God's dealing with us. I see the utter foolishness and stupidity of what government leaders are doing in Washington, D.C. and godlessness. I think God's speaking to us. Well, not now, God. Don't have time for fasting. Don't have time for prayer. We're too busy. Jonah said no to God. In the Bible, when you say no to God, you always have a response that is very negative. I like that song, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, he still speaks. With my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will be yes. I think some of our churches, perhaps not here, parents would try to talk kids out of the mission field. The devil's going to try to talk us out of using an old-fashioned altar and getting right. But it's time. In, In my psalm book, and you don't need to turn there for the sake of time, in the Civil War, there was a man by the name of Daniel Whittle. Daniel Whittle was Major Whittle, and he became known as Major Whittle. That's his entire name that carried with him to death in 1905. Daniel Whittle in the Civil War was not a Christian, but he was witness to. And the Spirit of God pricked his heart in such a manner that the, the Major would go and 
begin to read his Bible. Then there was an awful battle that day. In the midst of the battle, he lost his arm. He's now on the other side's hospital as a prisoner of war in his own country, America. They're treating him. And days go by and weeks go by and even, yay, months. And he's improving, but without the arm. Someone gave him a Bible and began to read the Bible. But he said, not now. He knew he knew how to get saved. He, he knew enough of the Bible. He had read enough. He knew he needed to get saved, but he said, not now, not now, not now. They came to his room and summoned him. They said, Major, we know you're a man of God. He wasn't even a Christian. We see you reading your Bible. We have a boy down here that's ready to die. That boy is crying out for somebody to help him to come to know God, and we have no idea. But you being a man of God, not even saved, you being a man of God, you, you could help this boy in his last moments. He said, I'll be right with you. Major Whittle fell on his knees by his bed. He said, dear God, I have been asked to go help a man to enter into heaven who's not sure of it. And I know I'm not saved. I cannot pray with him unless I become a child of God. And right now in this room, before I go there, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. He stood and walked down to that young boy's room that was suffering. He said, Major, will you hold my hand till I cross over? Where he was going, he did not know. And Major Whittle, who had been saved just moments, showed that young man how to be born again. And he prayed and asked Christ to save him. Then Major Whittle began to pray. And as he was praying, he felt the hand of that boy go limp. And he died. He got saved and within minutes had won someone to Christ. The war's over and he went back to Chicago and Major Whittle began to work at the Elgin Watch Factory from Elgin, Illinois. He took a prestigious position. He would go hear Moody preach and he was around those days when the great things were taking place. And his heart began to get so burdened about serving God. He was at the Elgin Watch Factory for 10 years after the war. Finally, one day he said, the Spirit of God, God is speaking to my heart. And I want you to know that God is still speaking. Listen to God through his word. Listen to that Holy Spirit that speaks to you. And he said, I've been at this job for 10 years and I've succeeded. And I'm a major from the, arm, from the military, but I need to serve you with my life. He began to go on to serve, and he began to write songs like, Have you any room for Jesus? He wrote songs like, I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known. 
nor why deserving, undeserving of his love. Thank God for that. I know whom I have believed. Based on 1 Timothy 1.12. He wrote the song, There shall be showers of blessing. He wrote the song, Beneath the Banner of Cross. He wrote the song, Moment by Moment. But he also wrote this song right here. I know I can remember, and I talk about that old building so often. I know I can hear my parents singing this, and I can hear us singing it in church at the invitation. Could you turn to 294 in closing? While we pray, and while we plead, while we see, you see your soul's deep need, while our Father calls you home, will you not, my brother, come? Here's my message tonight. When they said not now, God says, why not now? Oh, why not now? Why not now? Why not come to Jesus now? Why not now? Why not now? Why not come to Jesus now? You need to be saved, come tonight. You need to be baptized, come tonight. You need to unite with this church, come tonight. You need to start tithing, come tonight. You need to confess some sin to God, not to me, but to God, and get rid of it and forsake it. Why not now? You have wandered far away. Do not risk another day. Do not turn from God thy face, but today accept his grace. In this world you fail to find aught of peace for troubled mind. Come to Christ on him believe. Peace and joy you shall receive. Come to Christ confession make. Come to Christ and pardon take. Trust in him from day to day. He will keep you all the way. Why not now? Why not now? Why not come to Jesus now? Oh, why not now? Why not now? Why not come to Jesus now? Sing that chorus with me, will you please? Why not now? Why not now? Why not come to Jesus now? Why not And the people say the time has not come. Not now. But my question says to you and to me tonight, why not now? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.